Isn't that a cool little uh, video intro? You know who made that? Our Westside interns. Isn't that cool? High schoolers getting after it under the tutelage of Brian Canada. Their work matters. And that's what we're talking about here today. Work matters. The matters of work and work matters. How are you, Westside? You good? Well, it's great to be with you. I want to greet everyone online. And uh, the Speedway and South Sanctuary, we're just pumped to be here. I have a question for you right out of the gate. You ready? It's kind of personal. What were your first thoughts when you woke up this morning? You ever been asked that before? Don't ever ask that of anyone and, and expect an answer, by the way, because it's kind of creepy. But what were with this, like, I just want you to take, take a little bit of a running, just like when you woke up this morning... What ran through your mind? Honestly, not going to ask you to share it all, but I just want you to take a quick inventory, right? And by the way, if you're in a place of pain, then there, probably there's, that's a heavy question, right? If uh, how many of us kind of like starts with like, who am I, right? Where, where am I? What day is it? And it just kind of goes, right? But how many of you, if you just took quick inventory, just started to think about the things in your day today? I mean, just like, okay, I started thinking like, okay, there's church, there's, right? This will actually even be maybe even more pertinent tomorrow when most of us go to work tomorrow. Here's the question for you and for I, right out of the gate. How many of us, when we wake up in the morning, we wake up to a bunch of what's versus waking up from a deep why? If we wake up to a bunch of what's, it's just going to lead us going through the motions versus waking up from a deep why with fire in our belly that changes everything. Last week, we talked about what does it look like for you and I to be actively engaged, and I offered towards the end three words that um, in this kind of cycle of how do we actually go after it and work in an actively engaged way, and it starts with, anybody remember the word What? Trust, yes, you were very too mumbled there. So now I'm gonna ask you to shout out the next word. But trust is just like, hey, at the end of the day, and if I do the infinite regress, it all traces back to God and God has endowed and bestowed and instilled in me from the very image that I bear, right? It's like, I'm just gonna trust that he's the blessed controller of all things as my mom raised me to know and to remember. And that moves to a second word. It's our favorite word for many of us and it's the word what? I know, see, I knew you liked that one, right? We hustle, we go after it, we push all our chips in, we leave it all in the field, we pour ourselves out to the glory of God. But if we just hustle, and that's all we do, and we never stop, economists have a phrase for that, it's called the law of diminishing returns, right? Where all of a sudden our work productivity, our quality of work, and our sanity goes, everything goes down and our sanity also goes down. And then... We move to a third word, and that third word is what? Rest, right? And rest is where we let God run the world for a day, where we give um, ourselves a, a, a place and a space just to re remember and, and rest as God has designed it to be. And then that starts the cycle all over again. Today, there is something right in the middle here that fuels our sense of trust, that fuels our sense of hustle, that fuels why we go and rest. Anybody wanna take a guess what it is? I know what some of you are thinking. 
it's Jesus, right? It's Jesus in the center. Like in this moment, it's not Jesus. It could be, but it's not Jesus. And it's not a brown squirrel if you know that joke. It's purpose. Purpose is what fuels and puts us on a trajectory. It fuels our ability to trust, our ability to hustle, and our ability to rest. There is a deep, deep why that gives meaning and purpose to all of these things. Here's how Dr. Vic Strecker from the University of Michigan, he's kind of like the renowned scholar on purpose. Here's how he defines it. It's applying what you do best to what matters most. Applying what you do best to what matters most. And there's three basic core components if we're to kind of unpack uh, purpose just to, a, just to a preliminary degree. There's three kind of big components to purpose. One is it has to be goal specific. You have to be going after something. Two, it has to provide for you a sense of meaning and fulfillment. But three is the kicker. It can't just be about you. It has to be for the sake of others. So if you don't have that, it's not purpose. Purpose is, yes, there's, you're going after something specific. There's goals attached to it. Two, there's a sense of meaning and fulfillment. And then three, it's beyond you. It's not about you. It's, a, it's for the sake of others and their flourishing. That is a sense of purpose. And when we have that purpose, oh my goodness, it's amazing. Like the research on this that's coming out is stunning. Purpose is this right, very intangible thing. It's not like something you carry in a box and yet you can see it on an MRI scan. It's amazing. Literally, if somebody has purpose, the research shows that they'll live more from their prefrontal cortex than from their amygdala, which is their emotional kind of reactive place in their brain, prefrontal cortex, that's where your strategy, that's the executive part of your brain, that's the part that's giving reason and, and logic. And they can literally see, if you have a purpose, you're gonna have increased brain function and activity in that way. They've, they've seen it in work studies, such as at a world-class hospital, they took a janitorial crew and they did this experiment. They said, all right, here's the deal. Um, what's your job? And they said, well, we're, we're, we're in um, janitorial services. No, you're not. You are a part of a world-class medical team. Isn't that cool? You see the shift from I'm just a janitorial person to I'm a part of a world-class medical team. You know what they found? They found quality of care to patients go up. Obviously, uh, sanitation and cleanliness go up. How important is that in a hospital? Right? Saw how the, uh, the janitorial crew interacted with the patients in a, um, in a really cool and positive way, and they also interacted with the doctors and the nurses and the medical staff. Do you see which is having a purpose of shifting your mindset from I'm just this all the way to I'm a part of a world-class medical team? Do you see how that makes it all the difference in the world? It goes right here. Something that fuels our ability for active engagement. Now, there, uh, Dr. Vic Strecker did uh, research with some students at the University of Michigan, their School of Pub Public Health, and here's what he did. He brought in uh, a ton of different students, and in the space was an incline that was, and he didn't tell them what it was, but it was 14.5% incline. And he broke these, the, all these students into three groups, and the first one was a control group, put a backpack on them. They all got backpacks, all with the same weight. None of them knew the incline. 
The first group was the control group. They had no idea what was in the backpacks. They were just asked to walk the incline and then say how uh, steep it seemed to them. The second group, they were told, in your backpack, pile of rocks. That's all it is. Just walk. Third group, they were told, in your backpack, life-saving equipment that could literally save the world. For those who thought that in their backpack was just a pile of rocks, when they walked that 14.5% incline, guess how steep they thought it was? 42%. Isn't that crazy? That's what, like threefold? They thought it was three times steeper because they thought they were just pushing a pile of rocks. When you and whatever job that you have today and you don't think your job matters, you think you're just pushing a pile of rocks, that's what happens to us. Purpose, purpose, really, really matters, matters, just in case you needed to hear both word twice. And the research just reinforces this, that actually with a sense of purpose, your resiliency will go up 54%. You'll have more grit if you have purpose. Your stress, how many of you feel stressed? Yeah, yeah, will drop 33%. Your sense of life engagement and fulfillment will go up 60%. For those of us who are prone to melancholia or uh, clinically diagnosed as depression, that will drop by 36%, your propensity too. And then get this, this is crazy. When you have purpose, your sense of a welcoming, hospitable spirit, even towards those different from you who might think differently and all that, your inclusivity will grow fourfold, four times with purpose. Do you think purpose matters? Do you think it matters how we work with coworkers? Do you think it matters how we put our hand to the plow at work? Do you think it matters how we love our neighbors? Absolutely. And isn't it crazy that this thing you can't see, you can't put in a box, right? It's not this tangible, concrete thing. It's squishy, it's soft, and yet it shows up on MRI scans. And actually, that should be no surprise to us at all. Do you know why? Why would it be no surprise? Because God lives from a deep why all the time. And you and I are made in his image. Jump with me. Grab your Westside app if you've got it. Um, we'll, we'll have the scriptures here on the screen. Or if you have an old school Bible, like one of these, you can look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. We looked at this last week. We got to go back to it again. It says, then God said, as he's breathing all things into existence, let us make mankind, humankind, in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. And he goes on and on. You and I were made for a purpose. And when we have that purpose, like everything kind of aligns in who we are and it should be of no surprise because God made us this way because he put his very image in you and I and God lives from a deep why. God lives on purpose all the time, so should we. And in this very moment, what was his purpose? God's purpose was to give you and I purpose in our work. Look at that word. It's actually, to us, it's a phrase, but it's a word in the original language, so that. Just a little conjunction that we're just going to geek out on for a second because we're going to actually see it in the scriptures a bunch. 
so that. So God did this. This is the what. He made you and I in our image so that. That's the why. That leads us to the why. So that what? So that we actually can work. We'll rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. God has a deep, deep so that. And we're gonna see this phrase so that as we're just gonna like go down deep, stay a little bit long in seeing who God is in his purposes through that one little word so that. In the Greek, it's the word hina. Just one little word, hina. And you might be thinking I'm doing much ado about nothing. One little word, like, well, sure. In, in language, there needs to be some sort of sequitur from, from a what to a why. No, 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 no. What you're going to see is what um, <laughs> Ethelbert is his name. I always just laugh when I think of it. He's a scholar, Ethelbert Stauffer. Here's what he says about the word hina. Is this a small word or a big word? And he says, it's a big word. The reason for hina is to be sought in the teleological understanding of the ways of God and the destiny of you and I. No small thing. And he says this is true in the Old Testament. This is true in the New Testament. What is the word teleological? Well, the arguments for God, there's cosmological, there's ontological, teleological. They're the triumvirate of the big ologicals in which that word means purpose, that God has a purpose. And this little word hina is going to demonstrate the ways of God and the destiny for you and for I. And so let's look at how this fleshes out in the New Testament through the person of Jesus. So turn with me to John chapter 10, verse 10. Where do we see Jesus saying things like, so that? And here we see John 10, 10, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. What's the purpose here? Why did Jesus come? It's about the incarnation. And what is the purpose? The purpose is that you and I would have a fullness, a zest, a vitality, a vibrance of life. Now let's move to John chapter 15. Here's another so that. Look with me, John chapter 15. Jesus is doing some talking. He's doing some teaching. Verse 11, I have told you this. Say it with me. So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What's the what? The what is he's teaching, he's speaking, but he has a purpose, he has a why. It's the conjunction. So that what? You and I would have joy. Are you tracking with me? Do you see what a big deal the phrase is, so that, thus far? And we're gonna move from God so that to your so that. Making sense? With me? Let's keep going because it just gets... Cooler and cooler. Let's look at the Apostle Paul. He talks about a so that of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. I'm going to read it here because it's a different translation. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. Say it with me. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. What's the what? The what is his death and ultimately his resurrection. What's the big why? Right relationship so that you and I could be in relationship with God. He'll go on to say with others. That is a deep purpose. God has a deep so that. If we distill all these three verses down, it's that God has a so that. His deep purpose is that you and I would be made fully alive. And do you know that feeling to be fully alive? To have fire in your belly? To wake up from a deep why, not just to a bunch of lists and to-dos and a punch list, no. And I know the pain of not feeling fully alive at my work, and I know the joy today of that. 
And there is such a stark difference. And I believe God wants that for every single one of us. Here's the one problem I have with the statement we just made. Let's, let's look at it as that God has made us to be fully alive. Again, you think about um, something that either troubles you about that or is a lacking in that for you. What's the problem with, with just that statement as much as I love it? It kind of leaves out the whole story. And it kind of makes you and me, humankind, kind of makes it all about us. And it's not all about us, right? When we think it's all about us, we're not really enjoyable people to be around, are we? I had a conversation with, um, with somebody earlier this week, and we were walking through these, these three things. And um, he, he was kind of just grappling a little bit with, what do you mean I didn't earn everything? What do you mean that I didn't like... By the pulling up my, by my own bootstraps, I, you know, it's like, well, do the infant regress. Did you get to pick what time in history you were, you were born? Did you get to pick where you, uh, who you were born to, on and on and on, to go all the way back? And all of these things come from God. And he's like, oh, okay. And then I said, and by the way, anybody who just thinks by their own hustle and the sweat of their own brow that they earned it and therefore they deserve it and they're entitled to it, I don't think, if, 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 to all the people I've ever met who think and live that way, I've never liked one of them. <laughs> Even, I don't like me when that gets in my spirit too. And so, this idea of it being about us and God just wants you to be fully alive, yes, but there's more to the story. So let's jump to... John chapter 9, to round it out. We're going to see another so that. It says, verse 1, as he, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him this deep theological question. It's something that rabbis would always debate about. Rabbi, this man's blind, so who sinned? This man or his parents that he's born blind? And Jesus brings a shocking answer. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened, say it with me, so that... The works of God, the works, God's working, might be displayed in him. So this man was born blind. He's lived through a lot of suffering in his life. Could he still experience the fullness of life? Yes. However, let's round out the phrase that Jesus' purpose is to make us fully alive even through suffering to the glory of God so that the works of God might be displayed. Does that feel better? That bring it into to, to right focus. Yes, he wants you and I fully alive. And sometimes that means we have to walk through the passageway of suffering. And God even has purpose in our suffering. Not in spite of, not around, but actually walking us through it. And he does it all for his glory. When you're fully alive, it makes God smile. It just makes God smile. So God has a deep so that. My question for each one of us is, what's your so that? That's your deep why. That's your big purpose. What is your so that? You've got a bunch of what's. We know that. But what is the so that that leads to this deep why? And I want to unpack that a little bit for us now. So, and it's going to require a little complicated drawing. So let's just see how I do. There's five key questions that we're going to get at here. And the first is, what brings you joy? If you want to get to this so that, right? Start with, what just brings you joy, brings you alive? And then, 
you're going to ask the question, what does the world need? And by world, that can be paralyzing, but just your world. What's, what are the needs? And by the way, by needs is like you could ask it this way. What breaks your heart? What's a gap? What's something you just want to throw the flag at? Or what's an opportunity that you see that you don't see anyone else filling? And then you got to ask the question, all right, well, will they pay for it? Right? If we're talking in terms of vocation, or will they give to it if it's a not-for-profit opportunity? All right? That, that kind of matters, typically. Unless you're a trust fund kid, then nothing matters. <laughs> and then the last one, equally important, is <laughs> are you good at it? Right? Because it could bring you joy, but you're not good at it. Ever met somebody who loves to sing? like, go for it. No one's going to pay you for it, though, right? On occasion, I like to golf. It's sometimes about three shots in one round brings me joy. But no one's going to invite me onto the tour, right? So all of these things kind of form in this sense of, what's my so that? It's here, but there's a fifth one. And the fifth one is all-encompassing. It's your story. What's the journey Joseph from the Old Testament had a story. He was drop kicked down a well, sold into slavery, betrayed by his brothers. But when he faced them one day as the second in command over all of Egypt, he said to them, what you intended for evil, God intends for good. To believe that in your story there has maybe been suffering, there has been things, good or for bad, but they've shaped you, they've formed you, and God is redeeming you through that process. And now he wants to work through you and in you with a deep so that for the sense of it's goal specific, it brings meaning to your life, and it's for now the sake of others. What is that story? Maybe you've gone through a really painful divorce and it was years ago. God's brought healing. He's brought restoration and what the locusts have eaten, God's going to restore and he has. And now from your own story, you have a deep purpose to sit with people in that very pain here and now and today. I had the opportunity to talk to somebody earlier a couple of weeks ago and he said, you know, I grew up in a f lower class, lower income level home, and I always felt like the underdog. And so for him, that word underdog, as he went through this exercise, he goes, now when I work with clients, I really don't want the Fortune 100 client. He goes, I want the ones who don't think they even belong or should be there. I, I, I care about the underdogs, he said. And I go, oh, now we're getting to a sense of purpose for you. Here's my purpose. I'm going to give you kind of, I have, I have one that's a little, um, would take too long to explain, but the, um, the, the generic one that does really fire me up is this. It's that, that I am, here, here's what I'm going after, to fight for the highest possible good of those that I lead, love, and serve. So that's my so that statement, okay? I'm not going to write it, but it's my so that statement, and it is, uh, last count, it's 14 words long. And so when I woke up this morning and I thought about this moment, am I just giving a sermon? Am I just trying to get through three services? Am I being like awakened to a bunch of what's? Or do I have a deep why to fight for the highest possible good of those I lead, love, and serve that matters in my home, with my bride, 
with my three daughters, with my closest friends, to fight for their highest possible good. It matters not, yes, in pastoral roles, but also in my, my day job when I work with clients. Am I willing to fight for their highest possible good, even if it means telling them the truth to the, to the risk of actually being fired? I actually tell my clients that early on in the engagement. I say, if at some point in our working together, you don't wanna fire me, then I'm probably not doing my job. And I say that actually for myself because I know that I like to be liked by people. I know that in me there's self-preservation. I need a deeper why. I need a bigger so that than just keeping a client. Otherwise, otherwise I will not serve them well. And with one, <laughs> with one friend client, he's like, yeah, and you're dang close right now. <laughs> and uh, we don't always do it well. But what is your so that that fuels something far more than a paycheck, far more than keeping an account, far more than just surviving and getting it through. You were made for that. You were made for that. So we have an award that we love to give out that's part of this series. It's called the West Sider of the Week, AKA who's out there going for it with holy hustle in their job. And today's recipient is Floyd Green. Floyd, I believe you are here somewhere. Are you here? Yes, you are. Come on up. So get this. Floyd works for the city of Overland Park in IT. He serves the public safety department. He's, you've been there for 26 years. really heavy, so I'm <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, man, congratulations. So glad, yeah. So let's give it up to Floyd. So we had a chance to speak last night, and I'm like, hey, Floyd, what do you love about your job? In other words, like, I didn't say it this way, what's your so that? He said, you know, I, so I run all the IT and et cetera for the public safety. That's firefighters, that's our police officers. And he said, I see what they go through every single day. I see what their families go through every day. And he said, and I actually asked him, what gives you joy? He said, it gives me joy to serve them. Isn't that cool? That, now, that's very different, isn't it, than I, uh, I do IT things, right, which I don't really understand. I just, I just know there's code and stuff involved in, in all of that. But that's very different than a bunch of what's to a deep, deep why. So, Floyd, wherever you are, thank you very much for your service to those who are our civil servants as well, our firefighters, our first responders. Thank you. Thank you very much. How many of you know that Buck O'Neill, our very own Kansas City, City's own Buck O'Neill, was inducted in the uh, Cooperstown Hall of Fame? Yeah? So cool. Man, and I watched that, uh, I watched that um, kind of, you know, posthumously, that I just can't, for whatever reason, get that word out of my mouth, but um, he has since deceased, but his niece gave the, um, you know, the... Uh, uh, the, the speech, and she shared his so that. She didn't say it that way. She called it his, his true north. And actually, for one who grew up during the Jim Crow laws, through all of the prejudice and all of the biases and um, the systemic racism, uh, Buck O'Neill, with incredible grace and charisma and joy in his heart, she said, what drove him 
Romans 5. Romans 5. And she literally, in front of millions, she quoted from this. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. She read portions of that. My heart just soared because it, it filled in a blank like, well, that's why. Buck O'Neill had to sow that in the midst of so much, and you need to sow that too, and so do I. And in fact, here's what happens if we don't have a sow that. If we don't have a sow that, here's what happens. Without this, you're going to work, 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 hustle, 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 and then you're going to get to saying, now what? And then you're gonna move to, well, what's next? And then we're just gonna go back and forth, now what, what's next, now what, what's next, now what, what's next? And the scriptures call that chasing after the wind, and ultimately it's gonna lead to a so what? Live my whole life. I've built this up. I've gone after this. I have, in the words of Ecclesiastes, I have chased after the wind. And what do I have to show for my very life? Without a so that, it'll ultimately lead to a so what. You don't want that. That's no way to live. Let me just give you three last quick charges as you think about, and this is my challenge for you. Will you today just work with the the five circles, fill in the blank, just a little bit, joy, you know, whatever, it's in your notes so you can take it with you in the West Side app. Spend some time, try to call it down into a 12 to 15 word statement that fires you up. And as you do, I just wanna say three things. Number one, a so that doesn't mean that you'll always be happy. They're not the same. In fact, it could mean that things get harder. Dr. Martin Luther King said that a person who doesn't have um, a reason to live is not fit to live, right? Uh, Simon Sinek says this, that those who are driven by a what are driven to do what is easy. Those who are driven by a why are driven to do what is right. And sometimes right is really hard and it's really painful. For those that were carrying, they thought, life-saving medical equipment in their backpacks, hiking up a 14 and a half incline, guess what they thought it was? 31%. Turns out no one likes to hike. <laughs> and it's hard to have purpose. It's hard. For Buck O'Neill, it was hard. Number two, our so that's must align with the so that of God. Just having purpose isn't enough. Hitler had purpose. Osama bin Laden had purpose. There are corporations where greed is their purpose. It's not enough to have purpose. We then take our so that and we say, God, does this align with your deep heart? And third and lastly, never, as you think about your post in the world, as you think about your job, never ever use the word just. I'm just a janitorial worker. I'm just a teenager 
who works in quick service or retail. I'm just a middle manager. I'm just a small business owner. I'm just a stay-at-home dad. Never use the word just because that belittles the dignity in which God bestowed in you. He has placed you in a moment in time. He has placed you at a place. He has surrounded you with people, and that is your post. And I want to challenge you. Stand there with a deep so that no matter what it is, never, ever use the word just. I'll close with this. I think of a friend of mine, Dr. Nathan Chang, who while he was working on his doctorate, all he wanted to be was in academics. But he had to provide for his young family, so he took a job testing concrete in a lab. And he hated it. He had to get up like at three or four in the morning. He was the only one there. He's working with test tubes. It's not his expertise. He doesn't even care about it. He's like, I hate this job. And he cries out, like, God, I need a purpose. I need to sow that. And so he decides to do the infinite regress. He goes, okay, what happens if I don't show up on this job? He goes, if I don't do my job, then a technician has to do my job. And then, then that pulls from the middle management. He goes, if I don't do my job, middle management's going to have to do it. And if I don't do my job, the ownership's going to have to do this. And if I don't do my job, then the concrete might not be the best it could be. And that concrete's going to overpasses and bridge and roadways where people are traveling at their own risk and in great faith in me sitting in this lab testing how strong this concrete is. In other words, he goes, I'm not just a like concrete lab tester, he steps back and he goes, I'm the heartbeat of this company. And so are you. No matter what, God has a deep so that for you. Will you find it? Will you align with it? Will you trust? Will you hustle? Will you rest? Will you do all unto the glory of God? Amen. If you are able, will you stand as we continue to worship? This is for you, God, as we stand, as we sing. We are here for you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.